Wow, what a sweet time in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, church, for worshiping. Thank you for being uh, an incredible choir that have joined the choir for the ages um, that have been worshiping Jesus uh, since the beginning and continue even now. We got to join right alongside them. I hope that we were able to encourage them even in this moment. It is a special weekend because it is another weekend that we get to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and we are rich because of that. I hope that is your heart. I hope that is your mind. I hope you realize what Christ has done and what he desires to do even now in your life. And uh, if you are here in this room I'm so glad that you have made the call to be here in this place today. And if you've joined us online today, I am so glad that you have made the choice to, to stop for a few minutes, even, even just for an hour, and to take time not just to worship Jesus, but also to worship Him by, by taking in His Word. And I pray the Lord teaches all of us, even this day. Are you ready for this? I am. I am. And it's a, it's a challenge. It's a, it's, it's a it's a painful one again. I'm just telling you, it's one that takes some, it'll take something out of you. But if you want to be rattled, it's something that has to happen in your life. And the way that happens is you have to know that God can do that miracle. And I'm just wondering in this room, and I'm not asking you to clap, and I'm not asking you to, to say it out loud, but could you really use, could you really use a miracle right now? Could you really, would it really be good for your faith? Would it really be good for your walk with Christ if God worked a miracle in your life, even this day? Because I don't know about you, I could. I could. There are things that need to go. There are things that need to stay. There are things that need to change because I want to be rattled by the Lord. But I'm just telling you, it doesn't just happen. It's only by the power of Almighty God. So today we're looking at the rattle of repentance. What happens when we repent? What can truly happen in the life of the follower of Christ? What can happen for the one who doesn't even know Christ when they get to that place of repentance? Over the last few weeks, we've talked about what it takes to open the door of personal and, and community and, and the body of Christ being rattled and experiencing revival. We've looked at uh, the, the simple fact that you've got to want it. It's not going to just happen. It's got to be something that you desire in your heart. It's got to be something that Christ has put in you that you desire to happen in your life. You have to also ask for it. You have to pray to the Lord that he would give you this need that you have to be restored, to be uh, filled, and you pray and you seek the Lord for this rattle. And then there's one more thing that we've talked about that you have to do. You have to pray knowing that only God can do this. And you do this by actually thanking him in advance for what he is going to do, realizing that it is something that he desires to do in our lives. It's something that he wants to do in your life today. So when you get desperate, or maybe you finally get to that spot when your heart begins to soften, or life becomes more than you can handle, and you start reaching out for something that's going to help because you realize you can't handle it yourself, 
and you want God to rattle you and you start praying, one of the most difficult things for a human being to do begins to rise to the attention of our minds. It begins to affect our hearts. It actually begins to affect our minds. It will affect our moods. It will cause us to lose sleep. It can even make us sick. We have to admit that we are wrong. We have to admit that there is something in our life that does not line up with what God would desire for us in our lives. We get overwhelmed that there are things in our lives that don't honor, that, that don't honor God. And we get to that point that we realize that that is sin in our lives and it must be dealt with. At this place, you and I have a choice to make. The choice is simple, but it is very, very real. We either repent or we refuse to repent. And we can't just say it. We have to do it. We have to live it. It has to be part of who we are. It has to affect our lives from the inmost parts to the parts that are on the most outskirts parts of our lives. It has to begin with our actions as it has already affected our heart we have to repent Vance Havner said it like this and I appreciate this quote so much real revival does not begin with joyous singing it begins with conviction and repentance on the part of Christians that is where it starts repentance is a critical element We've been working through a little bit of the book of Ezekiel, and there's no way we'll work through all of it, but we'll get the the great gist of it as we walk through it. But in the prophecy of Ezekiel, repentance is a big, big deal. It's so big that it is the center subject that is dealt with from the first chapter through the 35th chapter. In verse 36, he gives us an answer. In verse 37, he shows us how he can work that miracle. But for 35 chapters... God has called his people to repentance because they are a million miles away from where he desired for them to be. What we forget is what God was reminding them of. Remember, God saw every detestable thing that they were doing and he called them out for it. He saw the idols that they were making and then the way they were worshiping the idols right in front of his eyes. And yet he loved his people. And he wanted his people to return to him. Ezekiel's one job was to tell the Israelites that they were absolutely breaking God's heart. Imagine for day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year that your one job was to tell somebody that you are absolutely breaking God's heart. I feel like sometimes I wake up and I look in the mirror and I look in that mirror and I think those very words. God, I'm the one that's breaking your heart today. It's that thought, it's that thing, it's that obsession, it's that sin that's in our life that continues to break God's heart. And folks, we are still breaking God's heart today. It's why we are not where we would like to be with Christ is because we're still in the midst of worshiping idols in some shape, form, or fashion that is absolutely breaking his heart. We live live as if we don't believe that God 
can see and that he does not know everything that we do. We live that way and we are wrong. And if you do realize that he sees and knows everything, our reaction is even more sad because way too often it seems that we just don't care. And that is heartbreaking. So, how do we get to the place of repentance? How do we actually move from knowing what we're supposed to do to actually doing it? What does that look like? That's where I want to walk with you. In Ezekiel chapter 33 and beginning in verse 12, God speaks to Ezekiel, says, Son of man, give your people this message the righteous behavior of righteous people will not save them if they turn to sin. Nor will the wicked behavior of wicked people destroy them if they repent and turn from their sins. What did you just hear there? It's the gospel. Our righteousness will never be enough. But even with our sin, when we repent and trust the righteousness of Christ to stand in our place before a holy God... Then we have hope. So right behavior by righteous people will not save them if they fall, if they sin. Folks, no human can do that. No human is going to live a righteous life. We have tried through the ages to only fail. Paul reminds us in Romans, there is none righteous, no, not one. He also reminds us of this, that we all sin and fall short of the glory of an almighty, righteous God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to realize that we need the Lord and His righteousness, so we have to repent. We have to go from going the wrong direction to turn and go the right direction in the vision God gave Ezekiel, God called him to call people to repentance. This happens by the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, even this day. And he may work through a friend to help us realize what is wrong in our lives. He may work through someone who is discipling you or teaching you. Uh, he may work through a parent or a child. He may work through the message of a pastor. He may work through a song that you hear. The Holy Spirit loves to work through people, and he is working through people all the time. And he will work through you if you will allow him to work through you. The Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit can capture our attention through a song. He'll get our attention at a great worshipful event or even at a real-life Tragedy that cuts us to the core. He will get our attention. He can get our attention sometimes when we're just quiet. Maybe it's time to take a walk and just listen to him speak to us. With no one else around so that we can hear his voice. Maybe on that walk, we finally take our, our uh, iPod ears out for just a moment. And we just listen to him for a moment. 
But you can always count on the Holy Spirit working through His Word as well. In John chapter 16 and verse 8, And when He comes, He will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. And we take this verse in all different kinds of ways, but there's really only one way to interpret this passage. I want to help you with it for just a second. The Holy Spirit, He is that advocate. He is that one who draws close. He is that comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. And He says very clearly He will convict the world of sin. This is the one thing that every human being will be convicted of. So comes the promise of God. In some way, we will all be convicted of sin. And Jesus gets very specific in verse 9 here that sin is, that sin is not believing in Jesus. That's the sin that all of us have to have overcome. It's the one miracle that every human being has to have. It's the one thing the Holy Spirit will convict every human being of. Righteousness is available because of Christ's sacrifice. And that judgment, that's the judgment of the ruler of this world who is Satan. So you see, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit will convict us of the righteousness of God and how that works. And the Holy Spirit will convict us of the judgment that is coming. So it is the the bad news, the good news, and then the rest of the story that you see right there in that passage. So how does the Holy Spirit work in the lives of believers? It is still very much Holy Spirit driven. It's just in so many different ways. You can't nail it down to one. It is His work to convict our spirits Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 6, Therefore I tell the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Repent and turn away from your idols and stop your detestable sins. Now he's talking about a group that will not stop worshiping idols. He's talking about a group that will, by the thousand year reign of Christ, there will be many who have come to Christ because he has done such a work in their lives. But there is still a very strong truth in there for us that we should turn away And we should repent and turn away from our idols and stop all of our detestable sins. So how do I repent? You and I know that God will get the attention of his children, just like our own children. We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. But the Lord will get the attention of his children. I think the biggest things I have paid for in this life have been this child of God who has refused to repent when I knew it was what the Lord had for me in that moment. He will get your attention. If you're a follower of Christ, you know that. You've already experienced it. But you have to stop and listen to the Spirit of God and know and acknowledge that it is Him who is making that plea with you. That's why that quietness is often such a need and something that comes so welcome in our lives, even though it is a very uncomfortable place a lot of times because of what we hear. The Holy Spirit works through His Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Did you hear that? When we read His Word, He shows us what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. 
Again, you got to want it. You got to get to the end of your rope and say, I do not want to follow that life that I've been following because even though I keep doing it and it may even be a, 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 a pleasure for the moment, there always comes that moment later that it just eats me up. I'm just saying, thank God that it eats us up. Thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for His Word that will awaken us and show us what is wrong with our lives. You have to want it. I have to want it. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And that truth is found in His Word. So what if we don't know God's Word? As a believer, that one's fallen in our court. As a believer who's sitting here with... 10, 15 copies of the word that's yours for the taking back there. As believers who all have some type of phone in our pocket or in our purse or sitting beside us right now, we can go to the Bible app. We have access to the word of God right now. We are without excuse. If we avoid the word, if we run from the word, no wonder we don't even recognize the Spirit's work of letting us know when we are off track. And when we're off track, what do we usually do? We leave it closed. We change it from that station where there's something that we just heard that might cause us to be convicted. We do something else in what we call a worship service to take our attention off what's going on because we don't like the way it's making us feel. And when you understand how you are missing the mark, when you get it and you are convicted by it, you have to turn from that. That is what the Lord calls us to do. And you don't just turn from that sin. You put your heart's attention back on Jesus. You put your heart's attention back on the Savior. The place where it started when you committed to Christ, whether it was a year ago or 50 years ago, it's where you started, but it's where you have to turn back to. Ezekiel 18 and verse 30 says, Therefore I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord, and turn from your sins. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit for why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Now again, I know he's talking to the Israelites, but there is a word for me and you right there. And I think it's that last little tiny phrase at the end of that. Turn back and live. And it's not even necessarily a physical life because you can walk through this life without living. You can walk through this life without experiencing all that God has for you. But he's saying, when you know it's wrong, turn around and live. Live for what matters. And when you live for what matters, you will see purpose in your life and you will quit fighting with all this stuff that's junk in our lives. Turn back and live. Number three, so what are my next steps after repentance once I realize what this is, what are my next steps after repentance? Once you've made things right with the Lord, we want to stay off the road that took us to the bottom, right? Once we're on that roller coaster and we've fallen all the way to the bottom of it and it won't even roll back up the hill because we've gotten in such a low place. If we want to get back up there, if we want to stay there once we get there, how do we do that? 
How do we get to that place? You have to go to Jesus. The focus has to be on Jesus. You have to seek his truth through his word. You don't take the path that led to destruction again. You start surrounding yourself with people and events that help you want to love and want to honor God. That keeps you from the temptations that pulled you away from him in the first place. That's where you have to go back to and you have to realize this is where the fall started for me. And whatever that is, it needs to go or it has to be changed. Charles Finney said this, he said, Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance. In other words, we've been awakened. It's followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's giving up one's will in deep humility. It's why we bow the knee. It's why in just a few moments as we have an opportunity for us to respond I think the best place for the follower of Christ, the, the, the most essential spot for us to get to is the bowed knee, the face to the ground, ultimate humility before holy God. I can't, you can I need you. I need a miracle from you, God. I don't know if you know this, but we can't do miracles. We can't work that out in our lives. No matter what we try, we're not going to make this happen in our lives couple of scripture passages I wanted to share with you just to encourage you and challenge you in this Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. So it says, I say, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Hmm. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Probably one of the most famous scriptures in all the Bible about revival public and private then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land and you know how he restores their land he starts restoring the land by restoring the people restoring all the people in that land in James chapter 4 and verse 8 he tells us come close to God and he will come close to you you've read it like this over and over again draw near to God and he will draw near to you wash your hands you sinners and he's talking to all of us purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world is that not me and you is that not so much of this great United States and this great world that we live in that we are living a divided heart in Psalm 51 I think David hits the nail on the head here and clearly he was impressed by the Holy Spirit to write this. This is after all the junk had happened in his life. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Put it in my heart so that is what I want is to honor you, my God and my Savior. And the last thing, can I help others get to repentance? Is it my responsibility as a follower of Christ to help others get to a place of repentance? Well, instantly, our minds go to, don't judge me, right? But is it our responsibility to help other people who have fallen get back up? James chapter 5 and verse 10 says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, 
you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about forgiveness of many sins. It's a loving thing to do. But it has to be done in a right way. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, even the church. We speak the truth in love. It's all in the way you say it. It's all in the manner of which you do it. If you come before people with pride in your hearts, like you've got it all together, you've failed from the get-go. You come to people in love. My mind goes to the encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well. He spoke truth. He didn't excuse her sin. But he shared with her the way out. Go and sin no more. Now we don't have the power of those words. Those words come from Christ himself. And whether that person like this lady was that Jesus met at the well is a person that is in need of Jesus because they've never trusted him by grace through faith in him alone. Or if that person in their life at this moment has come to that spot where they feel like they are a million miles away from Jesus. We offer to help bring them back. Because don't you want somebody to help bring you back? If you're in quicksand, if you've fallen and you're blind to what's going on and you can't even see it and you're a million miles away from the Lord, I'm just saying, according to what Jesus did here, that's love. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not the way most people love people. But speak the truth. And love. Ezekiel chapter 3 says, If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. And you can die in your sins. If you don't know Christ, you die in your sins. Even if you know Christ, you're going to die with sins, even in Christ. But he says, But you have saved yourself because you have obeyed me when you've helped turn somebody from where they were, and the Holy Spirit is allowed to use you. Like Ezekiel, our one job is to obey the Lord. It's the one thing that you and I are called to do on this earth. Helping others is one of the things inside our obedience to Him that God clearly calls those who are a part of the body of Christ to do, but to do it in a loving way. A.W. Tozer said this, You can pray till doomsday for revival. But you will never get it without repentance and confession in the Christian life. So that prayer has to lead to something. It's time for me and you to respond to what God is doing in our lives, even in this moment. The reality is there is a repentance that needs to happen in every single one of our lives. And I'm not stuck on where it's happening but I am fixed on the fact that it needs to happen in mine and your lives. I want you to stand where you are. If you please won't move around, if you'll hang around in this room for just a couple of more minutes. 
rattle starts with repentance. You 